Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the sixth episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I am your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to the prolific guitarist and producer Will Putney of Fit for an Autopsy about their brand new album, Oh, What the Future Holds. Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid, the best way to get your music on the internet, and their awesome splits feature. This is the DistroKid feature that I have probably used the most, and basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. You can easily split all of the incoming revenue from any given track or album between yourself and an unlimited number of collaborators. In your DistroKid account, you can change the splits at any time, add or remove collaborators at any time, and go back in time and see any of the previous splits. Your collaborators, of course, are going to have to have a DistroKid account, but they'll get a 50% discount, so it's only 10 bucks. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. To learn more about this and to get 7% off your first year of DistroKid, head over to distrokid.com slash VIP slash GG. And if you are interested in learning how to write songs, my new course, Complete Rock and Metal Songwriting, is available now, and you can check that out at howsongsaremade.com. Real quick, also a little bit of cool podcast news. The How Songs Are Made podcast is now available as an audio podcast with new episodes every Wednesday, and you can find it hosted on just all your favorite podcast hosting services. So now we're going to talk to Will about this uh, new album, Oh, What the Future Holds. It is the band's sixth studio album, and please welcome my guest, Will Putney. What's up, man? Thank you for having me. Excited to chat. How you doing? Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, I'm good. A little busy, you know, just getting through release week. So yeah, been, man, it's been quite a week, but it's finally starting to come up for air. So all good. <laughs> and that, and here I am stealing it all away. You're uh, like, okay. I got some time, man. Cool. Great. Got to go talk to Trey. <laughs> it's all right. Happy to do it. Uh, it's 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 a fun topic. I like talking about songs. I'm ready to go. Great. Me too. This is now, uh, like I said, the sixth Fit for an Autopsy record uh, full length. So what I think is very interesting about the band is that you are able to be here talking to us. You're in the studio right now. Fit for an Autopsy is on tour. They were they were in L.A. like three or four days ago. You have a very unique role in the band. You're a full time member of the band. You play guitar in the band, but you don't tour with them. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that works? Yeah, I mean, it's for sure weird, but I think it's probably an ideal situation for everybody. I Originally, I was touring with the band, you know, through the first like album cycle or two. And as my production career started to take off, sort of around the same time, the band started to get more opportunities. So we kind of hit this fork in the road where I was like, I actually don't think I could do both of these well, you know, um, being like th- the amount of touring and work that fit puts in on the road would for sure permit me from being able to produce records. Like, I, I don't think it would have, it would have been a, a huge, like it would have been a huge turn and changed my career for sure. So we sat down one day, I was like, look, I don't know what to do. Obviously I want to do the band. I love writing the music and like being sort of the guy who steers the creative ship, but like, I can't play 200 shows a year. I just can't, like, I wouldn't be able to have this kind of ideal dream job for, for lack of a better word, yeah. you know? So 
it was like, what do we do? You know, and we tried to like do some fill-ins and then I was playing some of the shows, but then I had to go because I had to do a record and stuff. And it was like, look, if I'm gonna, I could be, I could just leave the band. I could hang around and do what I can do, you know, and every, and you know, the band at the time we were like, well, sort of me and one of the founding members, Pat, were like, well, we're the band. So like, what do you want to do? And he's like, let's just, we'll get somebody else, you know, so, and we'll, we'll have a full-time touring guy. We'll just add a full-time member to the band. So it's never weird. And we're not always looking for somebody. So we got Tim, who's our third guitarist. And, um, basically the band can now tour as a fully functional five piece, no matter what the hell I'm doing, you know? Yeah. And then over time, I just stopped playing the shows because Tim's an awesome guitarist. He's great live and he's, he's better than me guitar, you know? So I was like, well, this isn't suffering at all. If anything, <laughs> it's probably better. And then I'm at home, like as the sixth man, like I can handle the business stuff. Like I manage the band. I obviously like am more the creative, like I do the heavy lifting when it comes to the songwriting and everything. So it's like, well, we just have more resources now. Um, it's kind of worked out great, like for everyone. So I kind of recommend it. To, you know, it's like get yourselves a six man who could live at, who could stay at home, and you could you can get a lot more stuff done. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird at times. Like, obviously, I want to play shows, but then I have to remember, like, hey, man, you kind of made this choice. Like when I see them on some big festival. Obviously, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I was there. But I was like, you know, you didn't earn that. You didn't like do the five years of like rough touring to get to that spot so uh, now i'm just excited i'm just happy that it works people go to shows people listen to the music that's all we care about you know so it's like the process of it is a little unconventional but it's it's worked out great for us so well you, it's possible that you're like gonna set a new standard for how bands work you know people uh i i can't think of any other band that works like that but um, I remember uh, hearing a little bit about that and being like, that's kind of cool. It's unique. And it's as long as everybody is cool with it, then it's uh, it might be. Yeah. Like you're saying, it might be better. <laughs> might be a better way to be. Yeah. I mean, it definitely it definitely has its advantages, you know. And hey, you know, if Metallica calls, I'll go. We're six feet. <laughs> <Why not? laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we're generally like this has been it, it, like we didn't know how it would go initially. And once we realized like. Hey, as long as it kills it live, everything's getting done right. The songs keep coming. Like everyone gets along. Like it works just like a normal band. I'm just like absent more often than not on the road, you know, which is a bummer for me. But uh, we're all happy with the roles we play in the band. So that's, that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah. It sounds like more than anything else, everybody gets to play to their strengths. And, you know, like, uh, I mean, obviously you could play guitar on at the shows live and everything and you would do it really well because you're a great guitar player but like if your energy is best spent devoted towards the songwriting the production the managing the band part then like just because you're able to do th those other things doesn't mean you should spend the time doing it yeah plus like i have this conversation with kids a lot are like how come you don't tour with fit and i'm like oh how many records did i put out last year that you've like hit me up and be like yo this sounds awesome this is a great record it's like you get the tours or the records like i can't <laughs> do both. both you can't you can't get both so like it's a balance of like i want to have a creative outlet for music i was able to like work this out with my dude so like i still have a way to do that and then i could still continue to make records and work with other people because my schedule doesn't permit 200 shows a year it's no. just impossible you know so yeah it works we're stoked on it like you were saying you do 
the sort of lion's share of the songwriting for the band. What is your typical, for this band, what is your typical songwriting process? And how was it, was it the same or different for the new record, which sounds to me like a, a pretty clear evolution from the last one, and still continuing in, in this sort of new sound that you've created that's, to me, like amazing to see you guys create something new that's st- that's so awesome, still like your old stuff, but just like this fresh new version of it. How is it different from any of your past records? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously this time the pandemic hit, so there was like no scheduling constraints. You know, we had a year of touring canceled, more than a year uh, by the end, but we were staring down the barrel of like, oh, six tours that we were supposed to do were gone. So I guess we make a record now. <laughs> like, what else <laughs> are we going to do? So it was nice this time because it wasn't sandwiched in between tours when I can get the guys at the studio and it wasn't like, you know, hey, we got to make this deadline so we can get this record out for this tour. It was like, all right, now it's in a kind of a blank canvas, which was cool because I got to try more ideas write more i wrote more songs for this one for sure than i ever did for any fit record which now i'm like oh i'm gonna have to do this next time because it really worked it really let me it let me fail like that's a big part of it like and it's a big part of what i see bands that are maybe underprepared in the studio but they think they're they're prepared they're like hey we're ready to make a record we showed up we got 10 songs i'm like well that seems good i mean and that's in theory, that's good. It's better than showing up with five songs, you know, but it's like out of these 10, six are great. Four of these are okay, but it's like, oh, we don't, do we have time to write four more songs now? You know, so I was like, I want to like really feel good about 10 on this one, you know, so I, I wrote like 20 and, and it let me like blow it. It honestly, you got to like work through bad ideas sometimes, you know, or like with, in the case of this one, I knew there were new things we wanted to try to do. You know, there were more new things that, w- that I wanted to try than are what are even on the record. You know, I was like, what if we do like a Doomy song? What if we do like this? What if we try this? And there was stuff that I like went down the rabbit hole on just to get it out of my system, hit it back, hit playback. and was like, yep, okay, I'm going to cut that song. But sometimes <laughs> you, sometimes you just have to get it out to see if it's going to be a thing or not. And then some of those songs turned into my favorite songs on the record. Where I was like, I don't know if we can do this. This is definitely not something we normally do. I just want to see if it works. Let me let me see it through some long songs and like some more melodic stuff that like some little journeys that we never took with the music. And then, you know, by the time I'm done with some of these, I'm like, oh, I love this. This is this is going to be a song on the record for sure. You know, so it like that time to kind of just work through it all was like really awesome this time. And now going into other records, I learned like, okay, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to do that more, you know. And I think, like, as generally with Fit, like, when I sit down to write, I never know what's where I'm going to be at the finish line, you know? And I, it's the part of writing music that I truly like. Like, I think, um, you know, going into a record, just being able to be free with, like, let's just see what happens is always the most fun for me because I feel like that's when my brain is, like, firing on all cylinders and I can, like, really explore different things and... Um, I really got to do that this time because I wasn't even planning on doing a record so fast. Like we had just put out an album, did a tour, you know, and then everything shut down in the world. So it was like I was back in that mode faster than I thought, but I enjoyed the blank slate of it. 
I didn't, I wasn't swimming with a million ideas. I was like, let's just go and see what happens, you know? So that, that was different this time, but, um, I think it all worked to my advantage because collectively we love this record. It's like our favorite record, you know? And, uh, it was an unplanned record at the beginning. It's like the, uh, the unplanned child becoming the favorite. Like, oh, okay, I guess we're having this baby. And Yeah, I wasn't concerned because I write a lot. Of, I do a lot of co-writing and I've written with the bands, you know, like I'm, I'm comfortable writing new material, but everybody else was like, already? Like, what about this one? We just did this one, you know? And I was like, well, what are we going to do for a year? I knew when touring opened up, we needed something fresh again. And that, because that would get us back out into the world, like hot again, you know? And uh, I knew we couldn't wait. Like, once it looked like there was no end inside of the pandemic, I was like, we can't re-enter the scene going back to play shows with a record that's like a few years old. Like, we just needed it, you know? And it was like, I just wanted to be prepared for that. So, but yeah, we rocked through that one and it felt good. Give me a little bit of the nitty gritty of how a fit song comes to be more than you know typically like does it do you start with a riff do you start with some lyrics or a vocal idea usually and then how do you build it out usually it's a theme it's like a a mood more than like i got the riff or i got the words i want to say it's usually like i want something that makes you feel like this you know, and that like that's where that's where I start. Of course, like sometimes I'll pick up a guitar and I'll write a riff by accident or on purpose, you know, and be like, oh, that's a riff I want to use. And then that'll start a song or I'll be sit, or I'll come up with a lyric and I'm like, oh, that could be cool. Let me work something. Let me write something that makes sense with this. But you like usually I'm like, what do I want to try to achieve with the song before I even like have a note of music written? It's like. I want a pissed off song. I want a sad song. I want this. And it's like, I go down that hole and then refine that. How do I get to that? What's going to be the payoff for that? So like before music's even down in my head, I'm like, oh, it could be cool to have a song that makes you super uncomfortable, but then it does this, but then there's a bridge and then it feels good for a minute, but then it feels bad. And then, you know, and, and it's like, it's all thematically there before the music's there sometimes. And I think those like help me it helps me focus an idea that isn't written into an idea that's written. I think maybe that comes more from like the approach of outside of the metal world. I'm not as influenced in my writing by metal anymore. You know, like earlier in our career, we're like, we want to fucking do that, be brutal, and this has to sound like this. And I was more like, I felt more boxed in. But now I'm like, what makes a cool song? Like, and I don't care what genre it's from, you know. So I'll pull stuff from indie bands and stuff that's like a little more free and not restricted by the boundaries of a, of a subgenre. And I think I grab onto themes better from stuff like that. And 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 generally that approach has made my favorite fit songs. So I like starting like that. But then, you know, you get lucky and you pick up a guitar and a cool riff happens. And it's like, oh, maybe I'll just start there. Forget all that. Let's see where this goes, you know? That's amazing. So like I said, this is the sixth episode of the, of the podcast so far. So n- not a huge pool of people to pull from, but I have been fascinated by the answers to this question because... I just kind of assume that people go about it in roughly the same way. You're the first person who's who's said it like that, who's you you consider the effect first 
and the and the journey of the song and the sort of structure of it and how you're going to make somebody feel before any of the other aspects of it. That's that is very compelling to me. Yeah, I mean the music that I attach to at least for me and what I and the reason why I think people like our music is cuz it leaves you with a feeling. Like it, you know, and um, sometimes, like, metal doesn't do that. It just gives you metal, you know? And uh, there's that's cool. There's plenty of, like, some of my favorite bands just give me the thing. Give me, like, Meshuggah just gives you the thing you want. You know, like, I you like Meshuggah because they, they, they give you Meshuggah. And it's that trance and it's that thing you know what you're in for. And But with us, like, I want you to be, I like being tossed around and I like, like, a mood or I like a lasting effect. And that's, like... When I approach songs like that, I feel like if I pull that off, people connect with our music. So I prioritize it, you know? I find that a lot of people love metal because of how sonically powerful it is. And they like the feeling and the just the super saturated intensity of it, which... I feel like any old shitty whatever band could probably go into the studio with you and you could make them sound like fucking gold because that's what you do. And ye old regular metalheads would be like, fuck yeah, bro. And just like, you know, but they often miss out this on this part that you're talking about because they just want the the um, headbanging like fucking feeling of it. And I, I've noticed that the better metal songwriters go far beyond that, of course. But sometimes it feels like, as metalheads in general, we're very sort of easily, um, I don't know, stoked on just the sound of it and don't consider the journey, which is why there's so many very poorly written metal songs out there. Yeah, I mean... Look, there's nothing wrong with being a straightforward band that just is full on aggression all the time. Like, like I said, I, I, a lot of my favorite bands are like that because they give you what you want when you're in that when you're in a mood for something like that. I just don't think we're that band. Like, to me, our influences, like not just me, but like what everybody in the band likes, it's so varied and so not always in parallel to just the genre that we've kind of been boxed into. That I was like. It doesn't make sense for us to just do this one thing over and over and over again. And honestly, it's like not it's not fun or creatively fulfilling to me to just kind of make that same one-dimensional style song anymore, you know? And it got to the point where I was like, you know, a few years ago, I feel like we started to move the, the band a little bit where I was like a little more hesitant and I was like, I don't know what people like from us. I don't know if this is even cool, like... Now we're doing like melody stuff and it's different and it feels sad and it's not just pissed off all the time. You know, it was uh -huh. like, I didn't know, but I was like, I want to do it. So let's see how we do it. And now we have like some, now we have like, it was generally well received enough to the point where we just have the confidence to write the kind of music that we want to write now. So when I go into these things, I'm just, when I go into these fit records, now I'm just interesting and fulfilling the thing that's exciting for me, you know? And it isn't just this one-dimensional aggression thing anymore. There's just, like, layers to it that make it more interesting. But, yeah, I mean, it's all subjective, you know? Like, I re people are going to like what they like. They're going to hear our band. They're going to think it's the coolest band they've ever heard. Or they're going to think it sucks because we don't just do the thing that they wanted to. And you just have to learn when you're writing songs, like... You have to not care what people think, you know? Sure, if you're a pop artist, you're trying to write a radio hit, you definitely have to care what people, how this chorus is. Does does this work? Is this the right hook? Like, you know, and then with any style of music you're writing, there's like, 
you probably want to check a box or two to make sure people are happy. But then there's the room to play within that where it's like, you got to just do what you want and be, and the stuff that you're excited about, because that's what's really going to translate and be believable and real, you know? And I think the bands that wind up chasing other bands with their songwriting wind up just being that copy band that never breaks or never makes it as big as the original one, you know? And it's like, now we just are going to always write the records that we want to make. And I actually don't care if other people like them. I mean, I'm glad that people like them. It gives the band like the platform and the career to do it, but I would still write this music if it was scaled down and we were a tiny band, like it would just be the thing I want to do, you know? That's great to hear. And I think you um, knocked it out of the park, of course. I think that the stuff that you're talking about, the not right on the nose, super aggressive, brutal stuff, makes it makes the aggressive parts really pop out a lot more. And the journey is much more dynamic. And like, you know, if if you go from fucking blast beat to breakdown to blast beat to, you know, the those parts don't feel, they don't hit as hard. But the aggressive parts on this record, like when there's some kind of a, a lull or dynamic or something, it just, it feels like it hits way fucking harder to me so i think what you're saying makes perfect sense yeah i mean uh, to me the the setup to what you're trying like you have to set up the impact <laughs> like it, it i don't know how else to describe it really but it's like the dynamics adding dynamics to any style of music just gives you more to take away like if it's just on 10 all the time you're left with a very hard to repeat listen sort of product and you'd feel one thing but it's like why the the ability to work dynamics into your songs to keep people kind of on their toes and keep people moving just makes music more exciting you know and like we figured that out a while ago where it was like you have to give people something to look forward to with your music like you can't just be predictable you know and and incorporating different like changes of pace and dynamics and things like that it is what keeps you like, I want to hear what comes next. Oh, I think I know what I'm getting, but I didn't, I didn't expect that. Like, and I do, I do enjoy like the excitement and surprise that music can bring you, you know? Yes. I j literally just wrote down what you said because I was like, oh, there's the headline. Oh, you there we to, go. You have to set up the impact. I I fucking love that. <laughs> there, there it is. <laughs> I God, I want to get that. Like, I want every local metal band to get that tattooed on their fucking forehead. If I'm working with like, a, I'll call them a breakdown band. You know, like what's just some band where like the band's popular because they write a lot of breakdowns, and the breakdowns the thing, and it's all about the breakdown. It's like, hey, you have to remember the pre-breakdown setup, like the pre-mosh is as important as the breakdown. Like, it's how you get it's how you get the people ready for the part that is is sometimes more important than what the actual part is, you know? And I think, um, you know, there's like classic examples of how that works where it's like, this setup is so good, it doesn't even matter what's about to happen. Everyone's already ready for it, you know? Yeah. The drop is coming and it's, Whatever it is is will be cool. Building the anticipation is what's gonna what like you could interchangeably put like any two super sick breakdowns in the same key and tempo and like swap them out. Like would the listener know any different? Like, but if when they're ready for it, when you've prepared them and it just slots into their brain in a way that makes sense, you can it just fucking kills. Yep. There's classic examples of it, but it's like 
Yes, I've heard that hate breakdown before that you just wrote. Thank you. That sounds fine. <laughs> but it's like, how are we get into that where people are excited about this breakdown that I've heard for 30 years already, you know? Yeah. And of course, at this point, you, like how many albums would you say that you've produced? We'd be in the hundreds somewhere. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. I probably should count. Yeah, I don't know. It's been about 14 years of making records, pretty steady. So we're getting up there. A couple hundred. Hot damn. So you, like having worked in the heavy music genre for so long, you start to know what works and what doesn't. And, you know, you're probably farming all of this knowledge for your band. Like I could listen to a billion songs and analyze them and get like an idea of what's good and what's not. But you're actually in there going making these decisions with the band, like you're saying, like, how do we set this up to kill? And then you're like, oh, I'll squirrel this away from when I'm writing. I get asked that a lot. People are like, oh, does recording all this stuff help you write fit stuff? And it's like, it kind of, it kind of makes me just avoid stuff, if that makes sense. Like, because I am now pretty, I do prioritize fit having some form of its own identity more so than, you know, I used to. Like, I want our band to be our band. When you hear a song, like, I, I want it to be, like, I think it's a, any band's aspiration is, like, I want us to stick out and be, like, oh, that's a fit song. That sounds like fit. Like, that's that's a big goal for us. Like, we want to be a band that's, like, oh, this band reminds me of fit. Like, you know, and then, and and I think part of doing that is avoiding what other people do, you know, at times. And it's, like, so I'll see a lot of trends happen and people chasing certain styles and other bands and doing things where I'm like, I actually kind of want to just stay away from certain things. Like it teaches me what to avoid. Also, like it teaches me the stuff that doesn't work. Like if I thought something worked or if like I see a song and it didn't like didn't break a band or go as hard as I thought it would, it's sort of like, well, I thought that was a good idea and it wasn't. Why wasn't it good? You know, and it's like, okay, so don't do that. So don't write that again. You know, so it's like, it's more about a refining of the errors, like where I learn from, I learn from the shortcomings of work more so than I'm like, oh, sick riff. Let me copy that for our, for our record. Or, you know, obviously I work with enough talented people where I'm sure stuff rubs off. And like, you just, if you are in a room with good musicians and you're making music all the time, it's got to some way impact your songwriting or or give you little tips and tricks and stuff. But none of it, like, none, it's all subconscious. Like, a lot of it, it's not something that's, like, actively writing in my brain when I sit down to write. I think it's just a culmination of, like, just doing music for so long, you know? Yeah. One thing that I'm very curious about, because normally the question that I ask is, like, how much collaboration the band has with people outside of the band which usually includes a producer um or or whatever those kinds of collaborators in this case you are the producer as well as the engineer i i'm guessing um how much collaborate like you're you're in the band but you're also the producer how much from the band winds up on the on the songs like what do you at what point do you present the idea to the band the the stub of a song or whatever and how much input do they usually have we've tried a couple things i've tried to collaborate with outside people before because at some point i was like maybe it would be cooler if i just like didn't do everything all the time so not this record but i think maybe the last one or the one before it i talked to a couple people i was like hey show me some like fit ideas let me see if anything's cool i use zero of it I was like, I think it's just a me thing. 
like and it's and and then i'm sure if i went and dug up like a song or two or a riff i'd be like oh this is actually cool but i was like i i've realized that i like only want to do what i want to do <laughs> you know like i'm pretty it didn't feel like it was like it was just different it wasn't better it was just different to me and i was like well if it's if someone didn't show me something where i was like oh my god i need this then i would just do it myself you know yeah and we've ki- i've kicked the idea around of there's a, there's definitely people I definitely have a wish list where I was like if I get in a room with that guy and we could work on my music I think I would be really excited about that but I haven't it's never come to fruition you know as far as like the band collaboration goes it's basically like I'll do the I'll, I'll basically write the song and then I'll send it to the dudes and I'll be like the, at, we're at a point now I think earlier they were a little more heavy handed I'm like I, I don't like this I don't like that and I was like all right well, what do you want to do. And, I, and then I was like, come beat the idea. I'm happy to, you know, best idea is always going to win. So if you got something that you think is cooler, like go for it, you know, show me. And then over time, I don't know why. And it's not like, I definitely will put, I will fight for my part if I'm passionate about it, but I would love a better idea. And, you know, and I tell those guys that too. And I just think over time, they like are just good with what I do, you know, where like I sent a bunch of stuff. Last record, there was a song that was uh, definitely one of the more adventurous ones where there was like concerns from the band. Um, a couple of guys were like, I don't know about this. And I was like, you know, I didn't know about it either. So I kind of like that. You're kind of like that tiebreaker. Are we pushing this over the edge kind of thing? You know, I don't send with any pre-context. I'm like, here's stuff. Tell me what you think. And then I wait to see. And if someone's like, yeah, I don't know about this. I was like, yeah, I was thinking that too. All right, let me go work on that. You know, and that happened on the last album and the song came out much better. Because I was like, I was on the fence and you pushed me over. So now I'm going to rewrite this, you know. And this time, because I had so much material, everyone was just like, yo, this kicks ass. (laughs) And I was like, all right, good. You know, but then I'm like, you know, they both enjoy lead guitar playing, like Pat and Tim. And obviously my drummer has his own style. So they'll take this stuff and they'll kind of make it, like he'll take the stuff, he'll make it his own. You know, everybody in the band, like, looks at what I write and then kind of interprets it in certain ways. Well, I would play it like this. I do it like this. Let me put a solo here. Let me do this. So they like, they find their ways to like work in their own flavor to the stuff. But generally like the bones of the songs kind of haven't really been altered too much, but it's enough where everyone feels good in, in, in participating where it's like, Hey, I don't, I'm not asking for much, but I would love to see a couple guitar solos here's some like here's some parts where i just threw a fill in like do something cool here do solve some problems for me and those guys just like come in and get that and get that stuff done you know they're like bail me out when i'm like all right i don't know do something here that's cool because i didn't <laughs> like that like i know it's here like i know what it should be i'm not a lead guy i don't get this or like you're the drummer you play you get drums better than me do something cool here same with joe it's like i don't know how i would sing this like does this work? Like, you want to find another note that makes more sense? You want to, like, show me how this phrasing could fit? You know, so, like, we just, I put it in front of them, and it's like, you know, make it your own, and help me if you think it's cooler. And that's, like, been our sort of, the, the roles between me and the rest of the guys, and it's it works great, because those little nuggets that they throw in, like, really enhance the stuff for me. Where I'm like, this is cool. This is just a better version of exactly what I wanted, you know. So it's a, it's a it's a fun dynamic for all of us. I wouldn't say they're spoiled, but they definitely <laughs> I've definitely made it easy to be like, hey, let's work on music. Yeah, it's it's cool, you know. Our process, although it's selfish for me, 
seems to be fun for everybody. So how fleshed out of uh, are the like demos of the song when you send them out? Do you do you program the dr- a lot of drums and is it do you uh, like demo vocals and and lyrics and stuff or is it um you know just a guitar and a click or what? Uh they get pretty fleshed out because I do like hearing as close to the finish line as we can get on some of the stuff. It's not like, remember, it's not going to somebody else to produce. Like, so right. it's like, I could start seeing it through once I have the idea. So there, I mean, there's stuff on the new record where the demo is the guitar part on the record. Yeah. Cause I'm set up and I've got a rig here and I'm writing and I'm like, Ooh, I'm onto something. Let me just make sure I get this take good. Cause this sounds cool. Whatever I'm doing right now is cool. And I, and it, I don't know if I'm going to do it as cool again. So like, there's plenty of stuff like that where it's like, that's it. That's the part. I wrote it. I recorded it good. And that there it is. And then I'll, it, and now it's done, you know? Yeah. So sometimes it's like that. And then sometimes it's like, we're going to finish this when we're all together. You know, I know like, I, especially on the last record and the, and the great collapse, the one before it, I worked a lot with, like I had my drummer come down and jam with me once I had demos. Like, Cause I was like, let's break it out of the computer. Obviously it was harder this time with the pandemic and stuff. He also had knee surgery. So it was like, all right, we're not having a lot of band practice right now. But um, it was like, I'd get in a room with him and we'd jam on some stuff, try some things, see if anything changes. A couple of the songs just got altered in the studio. And there were one or two where I was like, let's finish it together. I think drums are going to dictate what happens next. You know, So it can vary from song to song but like you're getting close to that finish line when i when i have a demo going because it's something at that point it's like okay i think i've thrown all my ideas in this thing and now it's sounding pretty much how i want it to sound you know so like you were saying you're you're thinking more about the mood the feeling the the ideas you're trying to get across when you actually sit down to turn that into a song structure how do you generally start to map it out? Do you create like the the structure in your in your DAW and uh like put tempos or or like or you know drums first or or what? How's that? How's it actually wind up looking as you go? From there, there's no real formula to it, you know. Like I play guitar, so obviously I'll start if I got to start writing a song. Usually I start with a guitar. I try to find the thing that I'm looking for. And then I'm like, all right, what else could this turn into? Where can this go? And then I'll see if I could tie together a few parts where it's starting to feel like a song. And then I'll probably, after I have a a general couple things in hand on a guitar, is when I'll be like, all right, let me throw some stuff in the computer, see what kind of drums this could have. And then it's just, it kind of busts open. And then it's like, all right, what else? Do I go here? Do I work on more drums? Am I writing the next part to do this or that? And that, whatever it requires then, you know, it, it, it's, um, there's like kind of, it's kind of lawless at that point. <laughs> but I'll try to, you know, there's been a song or two that I've started with drums first because I'm like, oh, I hear this rhythm that I wanted to do. So let me at least get a groove in. And then let me figure out what can make sense with that. Like, I've definitely done that with a few songs. I mean, there's one on the new record that is like this polyrhythm kind of thing where like I had this, I had this pattern and I was like, I don't even know what the guitar is going to do yet, but I know this pattern's cool. I want to just get it in so I don't forget it because it's like math and it sucks and it's hard, you know? So I was like, let me just, so I don't, so it doesn't go away. I programmed it. And then it was like, all right, I'll jam to this. And that became a song. 
you know. Is that the one that starts with the like the hand drums and stuff? Yeah, it's the a higher level hit because I was like, all right, I have this groove. It sounds cool. I'm singing this part in my head, and it's one of those like in the shower once, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, this is gonna be gone in in 20 minutes. So let me let me put it down, you know. And then I built a song around that groove, you know, where I was like, all right, what else can we do? We let's make a thing here. Let's not open it up. Do this. Do that. You know. And and and, a, and the song came from a drum part first. You know. That, that's that's not probably the most common, but it always. You know. I've written songs that start with vocals. You know. Where it's like I wrote this vocal. I'm in the middle of writing lyrics for another song, and I get this cool idea. And it's like, oh, that's like its own thing. And then I'm like, I try to write us. I try to write something that supports whatever this vocal line is. So yeah, it's never the same. But it's like, that's what's fun, though. It's like, it's not supposed to be the same. Yeah. I think that's cool because it, you can wind up with a lot of varied results. If you start from the same place every time, it's pretty likely that it'll come out, not necessarily the same, but very, very close. So if you start from a different place every time, it's a fresh perspective. Yeah, it's exactly why I tried to think about the thematic side of the songs first, because otherwise I just fall back on similar things. Where if I'm like, oh, now I'm trying to accomplish this like mood, like I I write towards it. I don't like just sit because you know if you play guitar, you develop your own little style, and then if it's like, hey, write a riff, you're always gonna pull from your tricks, you know. But it's like, well, what if my tricks don't make sense with the thing I'm trying to do? It's like, cool, I have to find something else, like something different, you know. So it kind of pushes me away from familiar things in a way where I'm like, cool, now we can try new things because it's not just that same repetition in the songwriting. So the thematic ideas that you come up with for these songs, what are some things that you do to develop the theme throughout the song? What's something that you do to make it change and grow and become more exciting as the song goes? I guess it depends on the nature of like what the vibe's going to be. Usually I'll try to get the payoff sorted. Like, all right, this is the thing. It's supposed to be the song with the chorus that makes it feel like this or the song with the outro that's like this. So like wherever, like I'll try to get the part where I'm like, there it is. That's the thing I was trying to do. And then I'll look at what it needs, you know, or like how do I get from A to B now? Well, you know, I've got this riff over here and I've got this part that I was trying to do. How do I get there? Or it's like, oh, cool. I got the song to start the right way what would be interesting to do now (laughs) you know so it's like it's connecting the dots like i try to get that main core like this is the thing that will give you the reaction you know and then and then i work myself in and out of it you know but sometimes like sometimes those dots are just connected for me and then it's just refining it you know sometimes the sequence of riffs is built and it's like cool this is this is in a way done because it did the thing I want to do. So now what? What's the cherry on top for all this? So it's so it, it's different. Like it's hard to they're weird questions cuz it's there's never one answer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Could you give me an example from the new album of something that you feel like you you achieved that really well and how you went about it? Okay, so the intro was a thing where I was like I want a song that moves from 0 to 10. Like like a full crescendo of music somehow. And I was like, I want it to feel ominous and like, oh shit, something's coming. Like, like that was the mood for the whole intro. And I was taking cues from like a couple of movie score things that I was listening to. And I was like, yeah, it would be cool to go a little cinematic, put some other instruments in and work a song up that starts serene and ends insane. You know, so I was like, that's that was the goal. 
before the song was written. And then it was like, where should I start? So I wrote the beginning piano piece and I wrote the breakdown at the end. I was like, okay, I have these things. And now what? <laughs> you know, so I was like, so from the piano piece, I was like, all right, let's build it. Let's get the band in. Let's build the thing. How does it keep going? You know, and and um, I was like, it that was like an A to B dot connector for me, where I was like, I know what I want and I know what zero is and I know what 10 is. So now let's fill in one through nine, you know? So it was like, the whole idea was there before the song was there. Like the 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 tales of the song was there. And then it was like, cool, now write the song. You know, that's one example. And then I knew, well, we talked about Higher Level Hate. There's a song called Two Towers on the record. Like I had a particular idea to tell a story in that one where it was like, um, I knew I needed specific pieces to make sense with like the, the story of the song. So that one was more, that almost started more like with the lyrics first where I was like, uh, I had started writing for another song and then I got this idea and I just jotted a bunch of stuff down um, that sort of like worked its way into what became the lyrics for Two Towers where I was like, okay, now I'm kind of staring at this thing and I'm try I need a song that makes sense with all this. But it, I was like, I think it's going to be long. Uh, now I have to approach this different. You know, it, it, it went from one thing to another really quick where I was like, I need a whole new song that supports this lyrical idea. And it was like kind of working backwards from like, this is what I'm trying to say. And now I need music that reflects it. So it was an approach where I was like, I was building verses and choruses and little bridges and things like that thematically off a vocal idea, which I had like no music for, <laughs> you know? So the same thing, like the idea and theme was there, but the music wasn't there. Building a song from a, from a different starting point. Like, whereas the first song, I had a totally clear path of what I wanted to do instrumentally. I had a beginning, I had an end. With the with Two Towers, I had lyrical themes with absolutely no music. You know, so it's like every, and each one is its own, like, battle <laughs> on the album. Where it's like, this is the thing, this is, this is, how do I get to it? You know, so, so I, I mean, I could do this for every single song, but it would be a long, <laughs> punishing podcast. But it's like, yeah, it always will come at you from a different place. Oh, you didn't see? It's called The Long and Punishing Podcast. The Long and Punishing that's especially cool because I have noticed probably the vast majority of metal bands don't even really know that this is how they're doing it, but they're they're doing it kind of the same way that pop artists will, you know, they've got a beat guy and a top line guy, and they're they the band is the beat is the creates the music, they create a a track, and then the vocalist creates a top line on this track and it's not it wasn't like a you know from the ground up composition where they're taking all of this stuff into account throughout the entire process it's making a a, a a backing track and then dropping stuff on top of it and what you're describing is is like this holistic way of writing where you're considering all the different aspects as you go and because you're basically uh, in charge of all of the <laughs> different parts of it you get to think of it from a, a wider perspective of what the song needs to be to get across the idea that you're going for sure i mean it's not an uncommon approach in the pop world either I mean, you know, Bruno Mars, like Timberland, Stevie Wonder, like these guys sit down with a piano and start singing and playing stuff and find, and the song is top line and, and melody like together, you know, where, where, where I think like, sure, the hip hop world, like there's a lot of like, I made the beat, I give it to the guy, 
he 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 writes the top line on it and stuff. But I mean, a, a lot of pop music is intertwined like that also, where somebody's like looking for the chords and looking for the thing. I mean, the Beatles is that's how they wrote. You know, they didn't they didn't like jam. They were jamming at the same. They were thinking about lyrics at the same time they were writing melodies for the band part. You know, so so that's definitely not uncommon. It's probably, you know, I think it's just a method where it works for. It depends who's writing. You know, it, uh, also if like your singer is also a musician, they're going to have an instrument in their hand and probably try to work vocal melodies together with, you know, what the band is doing. So I think, it, you know, it all applies. There's no one way to get to a cool song. You just have to work within what what works for you. Yeah. The only thing that really matters is the results. If it's good and that's how you got there, it doesn't necessarily matter what happened before um and like like i was saying you gotta generally play to your strengths but i think it's uh i think it's cool that you're going the way that you're going about it you're you're able to sort of step outside of of all of it and just go like this is what it needs so i can build the little world around it i mean i keep talking about like i don't know the like shitty local metal band approach and um or like you know just like amateur songwriting and it seems like in a lot of the stuff that i see is very mismatched sort of vocal or lyrical ideas and music kind of like smashed together because they didn't do what you're describing it happens a lot in metal where Here's the song, give it to the singer. And then it's like you're you're boxed into whatever the idea of the music is when you're trying to write parts. You know, like when I'm producing a band, I try to get vocal demos going as soon as possible. So it's like before this stuff is cemented, let's see what vocals wind up doing. Because at times it will change what the music should do. Maybe there's a cool idea that requires like, hey, we need four more bars, or like this should stop, or this this should be in sync with like what this pattern is, you know, and um yeah, it is very common for metal bands to be like to just prioritize instrumentals and then pe- and then hand it to a singer to be like, okay, here's the song, go nuts, you know, where the end product could suffer like without sort of the reflection on the two things. So yeah, I like to try to when I'm working on music, I like to try to keep the music adaptive with what the vocals are doing. Sometimes I'll even do like I'll tailor productions where you know I'm recording the most difficult instrument to change for me like with the bands that i produce and stuff is usually the drums because you know i have a guitar it's set up for the whole record you're recording like a track it's nice and easy and like punching in on that or changing that is much easier than like setting up an entire drum studio and all these mics and this crazy session and you know so i'll save drums to the end of the record sometimes because it's like actually i actually want to get through all the vocals first. I want to see if there's any other changes we need to do to the music. And by that point, I know like, okay, now we're solid. Let's go do the drums, which is like a very unconventional approach. But like for certain artists where I know like, okay, we're going to do a lot of the vocal work in the studio. That's where it's going to come together. Sometimes it can work to the advantage of the songs to be like, okay, let's do drums at the end once we've solidified what everything else is doing. And then it gives you that creative freedom to keep manipulating songs throughout the recording process before you set up, you know, 40 mics and record a drummer. Yeah. I mean, that sounds pretty smart to me. The average person probably thinks like, oh, well, you got to record to the drums. But these days you're probably tracking to like pretty decently fleshed out drum samples until you get there. It only works in certain genres, obviously, like stuff that I have to kind of 
if I'm recording a band like kind of in a live setting or there's no click track or things like that, like it can't always work. But for some stuff where it's like, okay, I know this is going to be on the grid. It's this kind of production. They want really tight drums. Like everything's pretty rigid, you know, like it can work at times. And I think it's helped strengthen songs, you know, but like there's a handful of bands I work with where it would be impossible because it's like, well, we're tracking drums yeah. first, <laughs> you know, like normal, yeah, on day five once we've worked through some pre-production. Yeah, so it's like none of this is ever the same, you know, like the methods and approaches and whether it's songwriting or producing, like it truly is always different. Like there's always something about the 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 workflow and the way things like – should get done to yield the best results. That's going to change from project to project, whether you're writing for yourself, making somebody else's record, trying to write a song with somebody else. Like it's, it's, it's never the same thing. So you have to, you know, I've learned over time, like I have to kind of be able to adapt to what's going to work the best to get the best songs. Yeah. I like that a lot. I've found that rigid kind of thinking doesn't really usually get the best results, but I'm curious about since you're you're uh, it's, it sounds like you write the lyrics and vocal parts as well. Do you have a certain way that you go about that? Like, do you have a? Oh, first of all, is there a lyrical theme to the album? And did you work off of that as you were writing for this one? Most of our music fits under a certain theme. Fit for an autopsy is definitely not a positive band, <laughs> you know? So it it's a lot of doom and gloom and like forecasting bad things are coming. And I balance between aggressive lyrics that sort of go after things that we feel like are issues in the world and shit we don't agree with and problematic stuff that we want to, you know, yell at for, you know? And, uh, and then the other side of that coin is like sort of the more personal reflection of like, all right, what does being in a world like this do to a person? And the more human emotions that come along with like having to accept these things or exist in this world that you 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 don't really like, <laughs> you know? And uh, And I think the balance of the two helps fit like themes. It helps like, helps us elaborate and explore different types of musical themes than if it was just all mad all the time or all sad all the time or all this, you know, so everything we write comes from usually one of those two places, but then the scope of what those songs could be about always changes, you know, climate of the world, what's happening while, while we're in the middle of a record and stuff like that. This record, Oh, What the Future Holds is obviously like a nod to like what, where we're headed, like where the world is headed. And there'll be songs that'll address things that we see as issues within the world, whether that's like, problems in society, class issues, environmental issues. Like there's specific attacks on different songs to different things, you know, and then there's stuff that's more about like, you know, Two Towers is a song about accepting things you can't change. There's one or two other songs that are a little more personal that kind of relate to how, again, how like existing in this environment affects you, what it does to you, how it makes you feel as a person, you know. We always pull from that same well because it's important. Like that's what we care about writing about. You know, and I think it'll just be something we continue to do. We'll just try to find ways to keep it interesting. I couldn't help but think that sort of based on what you're saying about it being about serious negative things, you know, the book that everybody gets when they graduate high school, Oh, The Places You'll Go. Oh, yeah. It's literally a Dr. Seuss book, you know, and it's like, oh, the places you'll go. And it's like, you're going to the whole world is open in front of you. You're going to do great, kid. And then this you've got the flip side 
oh, what the future holds. The like yeah, cynical. I, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's a good play. That is a good play. I want to see a version of the cover of that book, but fitified with this title and it's all just horrible. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Not a bad idea. You can have I that think one for maybe fun. we should look into that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I do think when I wrote that song, which turned into the first song, I was looking for something that summed it all up. So it wrote itself. It was actually quite, as soon as I wrote it, I was like, oh, there's the album cover. Let's just put that aside. And because I was like, yeah, that kind of is the summary of everything that's to come, not only on the record, but on like where we're headed as a, as a population, you know? So I was like, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Sign me up. Let's go. Sometimes it's easy. Like, and, and I think um, because because that one just like felt slid in so easy. I was like, I'm actually just not going to overthink this. This is exactly what I'm just trying to do here. So I kind of got lucky on that one. On the flip side of that, what was the hardest song on the album to write and why? Two Towers was the hardest song all, all across the board because it was a song kind of based around a story, which I never do, you know? That's the like outlier one for me where I was like, I wanted to do, I wanted a song about learning to accept things you can't change, but I didn't, I wasn't seeing a cool way to do it. And I was writing it as another song. And then this like two towers idea came up which is just this weird little abstract story about like, what if your past self could meet your future self and like, what would you, what would you do? How could you change things? What would you warn them about? And then it's like this whole flip where it's like yo there's there's this ominous thing that keeps that from happening and the whole resolution is like that you have to accept the things you can't change but i was like i wanted to do like story time with it and make it a little more of this strange tale you know which we never do because we're a pretty literal band most of the time and and uh but i was like i was up for it because i was like this would be cool i don't even know if i i don't there's no other example of a song we've ever really written like that so i was like i like that i i like that it's new you know, and um, so it was hard lyrically. And then it was like when I kind of had that whole idea, I realized like I don't even have music for this idea yet. Like I'm just right now. I'm just like writing what I think are going to be verses and choruses and things in the song with like no song. So like I, then I was like building, building it all as like one thing at the same time. And it was just like the song is like long as hell. It's like six minutes, which is hard by default to keep interesting. And that one was like, yeah, that was like the the journey for this record for me where I, where I didn't, it, as soon as it was done, I was just like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I can stop working on this now. That was like the one that felt challenging, you know, because it was way out of, the normal process for me. Um, and it was, it was a very specific thing where I was like, I've got to, I got to get this right for a lot of reasons. It's also my favorite song on the record. So I think like for whatever reason, going through all that, you know, it kind of worked out. Cause now I'm like, yes, that was, that was pretty cool. I'm glad we did that. I always find that like when I have a good idea and I know that there's a certain way that I have to do it and I know that I could do it and it's going to turn out really good. I'm always like, ah, oh, fuck, now I have to actually do this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep, I've been there. As soon as I'm like, oh, yeah, it just needs the craziest part in the world now and everything will be awesome, then I'm like, <laughs> oh, right, okay, cool. It's like the the burden of skill. Like, you know that you could do it. You're Will Putney. 
of course, you're like, yeah, I could make this fucking slam. And then you're like, oh, boy, if only I, I didn't. How much better, easier would my life be? <laughs> just give me the AI chip where I could just think it into existence. I'm just waiting for that. Music's going to be so cool when, when, when we could just go to there. But at the same time, like, is it as meaningful without the struggle? I don't know. No, it's fun. In the end, like, there's only these moments where it's like suffered, you know, through parts where, you know, it's, it, it's not hard all the time. Sometimes it just falls into place and it's fun and, you know. There's definitely songs that took forever on this one, but then there's ones that came together in like a couple hours where I was like, "Oh, it's great, thank you, that was easy," you know. Yeah. Um, but it, I, I, all, even when it's like, even then it's hard, it's still fun and it's still like, man, I sleep like a baby after writing sessions because it's so like mentally just exhausting in a in a good way. It's like it's the whole reason why I write music with fit. Like it's the that is the creative outlet that I want. You know, it's like that is the whole. The whole release for me. I'm curious, because you don't tour with the band, I always ask the question, when you're writing, do you ever think about whether or not a song is going to pop off live? Um, But of course, like, I mean, that's a concern that you have to have because the band is out there touring. But because you're not playing with them, does that enter in more or less into your consciousness as you're writing? It definitely is there. I know we stay in a certain lane where anything we write for fit needs to be executed live. Like, that's just the rule, you know? So aside from the occasional little lead layer, ambient, little diddly thing here and there, everything that's, like, written is with the idea that, oh, yeah, this can, like, the band can do this and do it well, and it wouldn't be, this isn't going to be an issue to translate. You know, we haven't approached music for fit with, like, the, oh, yeah, let's just go crazy and throw everything in and it'll be impossible to do, but it's going to sound awesome on the record. Like, maybe one day we'll do, like, some grand production thing like that where it's so over the top that we'll need extra musicians and all this stuff. But I'm never, you know, like like I said, aside from a little ambient thing or two, it's all designed to work live, like, in the end. Because, like, I think a lot of Fit's success has been those guys killing it live and being a cool live band, you know? And I wouldn't want to, I don't think anyone wants to be in a position to have a record or a song that they have to play live that isn't going to sound the same or translate the right way. So we're very conscious of it. And and I stay away from like impossible music, I call it, you know, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, this actually isn't the band. Now it's just like a bunch of stuff in the studio. Um, so no, we it's, it's always there. It, it's there to the point where I just, it's second nature, not even to cross that line for us so like my writing is always focused away from that to begin with because it's just on the no-no list for us gotcha that's cool so it's just it's just like a, a a working rule almost that you don't even really have to think about at this point it's just you gotta do it yeah and i think like we've there's never really i don't even think there was ever really a time where we're like i don't know if we can do this like or i don't know like we've never even written a song that we had to question that because we're just so embedded with the like we come from an era where you had to be good life to be a big band you know like our band's a little older and we didn't grow up like in the laptop generation of like what some of the stuff is like we use the technology like i'm not saying we're some like purist band like you'll hear little ambient things and little extra ear candy stuff live because it enhances the live band but it's not a crutch for our band you know, and I've definitely seen bands who lose their hard drive and have to cancel mm-hmm. a tour 
you know, and I'm like, we're never going to be that bit. <laughs> like, for sure, don't worry about that. Like, if <laughs> if stuff goes down, they could play right off the floor, no problem. You know, and and it's like, that's just who we are and what, what we think is cool about music. Like, we'll just probably never go there with, with our, our music, which is cool, which fine by me, you know. I don't feel like we're missing much stylistically considering the type of band we are. I was lucky to get to see the band and do a full rig rundown. It's on the channel if any of oh, you cool. out there want to check it out. And uh, I was blown away. I saw them play at the what I think is the worst sounding room in L.A. I won't say what it is. Uh, it's basically a cave. And I couldn't fucking believe how fucking good everything sounded. It was unbelievable. Absolutely one of the best sounding live bands I've ever heard in my life. And that list is very short. Devin Townsend band project I, I can't remember is easily the best sounding and then fucking fit for an autopsy like unbelievable damn we're in some good company there i don't know you might need to get to some more shows my friend <laughs> that's possible they try man they rehearse hard as hell before touring and like everybody's kind of you know we realized we've started to do some tours over the years with like more veteran bands and we looked at some of the like those guys really learn what it takes. Like, hey, you want to do a band for a living? Like, look at this practice regimen. Look how these guys are in partying. Like, look at the warm-ups that they're doing. Like, look at this guy, like, running to, to get warmed up before the set. Look at the hours of, of, like, banging on the drum pad this guy does. Like, they kind of realized a, a little while ago, like, you can't just, like, wing it. Like, you have to prepare, rehearse, like, stay warm, stay healthy. Like, it's, there's a... My band doesn't party hard anymore. Like, they don't... There's, like, you know, there's guys who just don't drink and smoke or do anything in my band. There's definitely, like, a regimen to being a professional band where it's, like, you can tell who takes it seriously, you know? And when you see a world-class band and they're on fire and stuff, it's, like, that's the difference. Like, that's why... We're here and they're there. Like you see the difference now, you know. And it, and like we started started to take cues from some of these like A level bands over the years, where it was like we need to apply this to our band. Like this is what everybody wants to do. This is what it takes, you know. And I think it's starting to turn over. I know we have a long way to go because I've seen real. I've seen some pretty wild bands, you know. But I think like I we're starting to get into that sort of groove where it's like. Yeah, okay. This is this is the this is the thing. Take it seriously. Do do it right, you know, and and leave an impact on. People. It seems to be working. <laughs> That's a solid philosophy. <laughs> I I'm glad I'm glad it worked. Yes, yes. I think I think, you know, with any band, it's all about experience and over over the years, you know, I don't think we've like hit a peak yet, and I do think there's a lot of room for improvement for everybody and I think we'll just continue down that path hopefully you know where in five years we could do this podcast and you could be like i saw them again <laughs> even whoa, somehow better, better you know like that's <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's the goal now so. so so speaking on that sort of how you're um you like you're saying you learn from the 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 a-level bands you see them doing stuff and you're like oh that's that's amazing. We're going to start doing that shit. Do you think that there's anything that you guys do in terms of the songwriting um, that nobody else is doing? Anything in particular that you think that you're like, oh, we found this thing and we're doing it? I mean, maybe you don't want to give away the secret because <laughs> then everybody else will do it. But I don't know. We didn't break the mold with our band, for sure. I do think in our genre of music, we probably put a little more realism into some of it whether that's the nature of the production or just like 
the where the lyrics come from, like the kind of meaning behind some of it. None of it, none of it is super innovative in a sense. Like I'm just taking cues from the stuff I grew up listening to, and I'm influenced by just like everybody else probably does subconsciously when they listen to music. So no, I don't think, I don't think per se we're doing anything that hasn't been done. You know, I I think it's like pretentious and <laughs> shitty to even say that. But I I I think we've brought a few like a few out of the box ideas into a su- a subgenre where it wasn't as familiar. So maybe that, but other than that, no. Like I'm literally it's just 90s records I grew up loving that stuck that are stuck in my brain that they come out like this <laughs> for whatever reason. Um but yeah, no, we didn't reinvent the wheel. I think we just we just brought a couple fresh ideas into a, a like a world that was a little more one dimensional. Not to say there's not great bands, like because like you know we're we're labeled a deathcore band, and a lot of deathcore is just you get the same thing over and over again. But there are great there are great young bands that are mixing up too in different ways than we are. We just have a spin on it that's a little less played out in that particular genre. But no, we're we're not we're trying to be original, but we didn't create any of this, you know? Sure. But uh, I, well, it seems to me that especially just on these last two albums, especially I can't really put my finger on what it is that you're doing differently overall, but it sounds to me like you're moving the whole sound in, in just a fresh enough direction without abandoning what has, what makes it great. I feel like, like two more records down the line and it's going to be something so not unrecognizable but the next thing that it's going to be i don't know like you know the part of the movie when like when like evolute like a guy like a guy who got bit by something like starts going like oh what is this i can do this thing now i've got i've got gills whatever like (laughs) yeah i don't know where it's gonna go because there's really no clear path and it's like even just playing off what our fans like i don't know where i should go you know, like, cause I was, I'm at the point where I was like, it's not time to write a new record. So I haven't thought about it yet. So I'm like, I don't know. Well, I don't know what the next one's going to be, what we're going to do, what, if it's going to lean one way or the other, go deeper down this or not. But then I'm also like, well, what do people, do people like it? Let me see. And then it's varied what, what the guys, like our fans response to the record you know, we put a post up a week or two ago. We're like, what's your favorite song? It's literally every song in different, you know, like it's like the same percentage for each song where, where I'm like, well, it, it's, it's just random. Like, you know, so I think like whatever it is, like there's, there's some people like different traits of our band. They want to see us be one thing or the other, but it, I'm like, well, we do a little of everything. So I'm just going to continue to do what I want to do. Cause it's just a little of all the stuff we like, you know? So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to wind up. We had, there's like, a very loose concept of what could happen next time. It was something we talked about doing on this one that didn't go down because of the pandemic and some other things. So we're like, we'll table this one. We got one grand idea in the bag where we're like, let's table that for now and see what happens. But um, ask me in a year. Cause right now I'd, it's all out. The gas tank's empty. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Well, I think uh, that, 
actually brings me to the the final question. It's a pretty good segue, especially you talking about um, the 90s bands and records that you liked and all that. This is a sort of an evolving final question because I'm trying it out on everybody. And I realized I, I, I said on, in the last one that I was going to uh, give it to people in advance and I forgot. It's okay. It used to be, what do you think is the single greatest song ever written? But I think actually the best one, the best version of this is going to be, what is the song this, that is the most influential for your songwriting that you've heard like of someone else's what has had the most influence on your songwriting do you think hmm one song wow or an album if you can't pick a song oh it's a good question it doesn't have to be something that like you sound like or whatever just something that like just really inspired you to want to write and create or anything like that sure okay there couldn't be one there would have to be there would have to be three is that okay? Yeah, go for it. All right. Because they all, I got, I received all of them somewhere around the same time, and I think it shaped a lot of stuff. So fuck, now that maybe <laughs> I'm a product of, I grew up in like the 1998 to 2000 hardcore scene in New Jersey. So there was this like boom of stuff that came out at that time around here. And this is when, you know, the Dillinger Escape Plan and Hatebreed, Kinderia, Lamb of God, Vision of Disorder, like All Out War, like all of this stuff was just like popping off at the time. And we got every single show and I was super spoiled and exposed to all of this music. So collectively, that era of music for sure influenced everything about my taste from, from here till now. And that's what made me pick up guitars, want to be in bands. It's what got me out of the box thinking like, oh, wow, you can, like, do more crazy artistic stuff, or you could tour with a band that sounds like this, even though you sound like this. Like, it was this great time. For, like, to me, it's always the period that I go back to, and I'm like, this is when I learned everything about music, you know? Uh, out of that came so many records, but I guess as a guy as a guy who writes for Fit for an Autopsy, the songs, that the, the albums that would have influenced me the most would have probably been At the Gates, Slaughter of the Soul, because I think that changed the landscape of what metal and metalcore and everything was doing in America when that came out. It was it definitely affected me, and it made me want to play riffs like that, and stuff like that worked its way into fit. I would have to say Meshuggah's Chaos Fear, same kind of thing, because it introduced me to a whole different style of rhythmic playing and polyrhythms and stuff. And I guess... I'd have to say not in not as related to heavy music, but probably Fragile by Nine Inch Nails would have been a good one too. Like for as a vibe, a constant vibe reference and a constant like, this is so unexpected and like it's such a such an outside the box approach to creating like dark music and stuff. That record's like pretty timeless in 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 its creativity, you know, and it's like. I'll never be on that. To me, I'm like, that's the final level dark expression of like just weird, interesting, creative music. And I like, I'll never touch it, but I'm always like, I love the way it makes me feel. And I apply that to some of the stuff I do with fit. I don't emulate any of the parts cause we don't sound like nine inch nails, but I definitely take cues from the way the record makes me feel, you know? So I guess those are the three. And it couldn't be one. <laughs> so I hope three is sufficient for your answer. That's great. Well, like I said, it's this, this question is evolving. 
Um, and I'm, uh, I, I'm sort of changing it up based on how people answer it. And, um, sure, sure. So that's a, that's a great answer. I, I love all that stuff. I, I love hearing that because, especially because I like to hear when people are, are influenced by stuff that's so different from what they're, what they do, you know, what their, what their thing sounds like, like you're saying, like you guys don't sound anything like nine inch nails, but that is hugely influential. Yeah, if somebody told me like, hey, I love your band, it sounds like 90s Meshuga at the gates and Nine Inch Nails, I would just <laughs> quit. I'd be like, thank you, we're done, good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, whatever it is that it sounds like, the new record sounds amazing. No surprise. Well, thank you. Much appreciated. I love seeing a band become the thing that they're gonna be you know and like that step i love watching that more than anything else and to me that's that's what i'm hearing in this uh oh what the future holds is out now go and stream it on all the places that you can stream it there's uh at least a couple music videos as well i've seen at least one <laughs> there are four four so total all okay. four yeah, yeah. We got plenty of plenty of content for you at the old Fit for an Autopsy YouTube. Yeah. Eat it up. Oh, God. Which one was it that had the really, really disturbing music video? Oh, my God. Fuck. I mean, that's probably all of them. Far From Heaven's not not so pretty. Yeah, that one's tough to watch. I think that was the one. I, I was disturbed, and the, uh, that doesn't usually happen to me. I am a jaded bastard. I've been listening to metal for too fucking long, and I'm like, yeah, all right. I'll, I was like, holy shit. Rocked to the core. So I yeah, highly recommend sorry. that you all go and check that out if you want to feel a lot of things. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, Fit for an Autopsy is on tour right now. On tour right now through February 12th in America. In May, we'll be in Europe, and then... As soon as the rest of the world opens up, we've got plans for Central South America, Australia, Canada, Asia. We're ready to go. So plenty of plenty of stuff to be announced. But uh yeah, we'll be we're gonna try to be everywhere this year. So great. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and uh I hope to talk to you very soon. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. Huge thanks to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. They are the best way to get your music on the internet. To get 7% off your first year, head over to distrokid.com slash VIP slash GG. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast source. And if you're interested in seeing these episodes streamed live when we record them, then you're going to want to head over to the Gear Gods YouTube channel and subscribe there. We do them every Monday at 11 a.m. PST. So until then, happy writing and get that rabbit.